I told him I promise I'll be gentle. <laughs> no, but uh, actually, uh, I was sitting in Pastor Gary's office, as we often do, because my office is up here and his office is over there, so uh, sometimes I have to take an ADD break and come out of my office and go in his office and sit there for some pastoral counseling. And I said, Pastor Gary, I said, I, said, I really think we need to... Uh, you know, we need to teach uh, at least once a year on tithing and giving. And he said, great, well, I'm going to ask you to preach two services in February. Can you do it then? I said, sure, whatever you, whatever you want. Um, I am uh, a pastor, uh, but I do not pastor a church per se. So, so my ministry is a little bit different. I deal with uh, people that are struggling with life-controlling issues. Uh, we travel often from church to church, and I get to, to preach uh, evangelistical messages and messages about, uh, you know, restoration and messages about uh, the changing power of Jesus Christ. And uh, that's really my forte. So for me, uh, today was really, was really a blessing because I got to do something that I, I don't always do and I really prepare to do a little bit more of teaching but I know when I set out to teach I still wind up running all over this place and going nuts so don't worry we're probably still going to lose our hats and jump around and have a great time in the Lord today even though I'm setting out to do a little bit of teaching on the wonderful subject of giving but if you could open up in your Bibles this is a common scripture as we talk about giving uh, Malachi chapter uh, 3, verse 6 to 12 is going to be my main text. And uh, if you could turn there, whether uh, on your, in your Bible, uh, paper Bible, or your, your electronic. Uh, I preach out of uh, an iPad, but I still bring my Bible up and open it up to the main verse and leave it open. I love the Word of God. I love to feel the pages. I love to look at the highlights and the circles and the right on it. I just love the Word of God. It is everything to me. It is the most exciting thing. It's, it's better than any uh, activity or entertainment or anything in the world. The Word, it, to me, is the greatest thing in the world. And uh, I'm so glad that I feel that way because it would be much harder to talk about it all of the time if I didn't have a great love for it. But Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 through 12. For I am the Lord, and I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say. In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. This is strong, strong scripture here. Even the whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord. For, for I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will be not room enough to receive it. 
and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. This is the good stuff right here. So that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in your field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed. For you will be the, a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. The title of my message is God's great blessing for you. God's great blessing for you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your mercy that has led each one of us here today. Lord, we thank you for this uh, allotted time that we have to break bread with you, Lord God. Holy Spirit of the living God, we give you full reign into this place. I pray that anything that would come against the preaching of your word, that you would take your strong right hand and push it away. Lord, I pray that every heart under the sound of my voice, would be prepared for your word as soil is prepared for seed. Lord, I pray that you will help me to minister and to speak the very revelation of God. Lord, that I would not speak as a man, but I would speak as an oracle of God, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, because I know it's not because of me, but in spite of me, Lord. And we dedicate this wonderful time to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. What a wonderful portion of Scripture. I mean, it starts off a little rough, straightforward. It starts off God declaring who He is, going into what we have done wrong and what He is not thrilled about, about our, uh, the people, the nation of Israel's behavior. And then He goes into the way He wants to bless us. How many people know that God has called us to a certain life of behavior and principles? That God didn't just save us so that we could just be exactly the same from the day that we start walking according to his word and just flounder through life without making any differences, first in our thoughts and our attitudes and then into the, wor into the words of our mouth, and then that it would manifest in the deeds of our hands. How many people know that there are some things that God expects from us? And there are changes to be made as we walk with the Lord. But I love how this portion of Scripture starts off in voice, verse 6 as it states that God does not change. He says in verse 6, For I am the Lord and I do not change. I'm so glad of this that, that the God we serve, the Lord we call upon, is not a changing God. I'm so, I'm so glad that He's not moody like some people that we may have known. I'm so glad that he doesn't change like the culture might change. I'm so glad he doesn't change like the tax level changes and always goes up. I'm so glad that he doesn't change and expect something different from us one day and then expect something totally different the next day. I'm so glad that he is a God that says in his own words that he does not change. That he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You know what that means? That means the same God that 2,000 years ago hung on a cross to put his love on display for you still loves you exactly the same with a sacrificial, undying love. That is the God that we call upon, a God that does not change. Is anybody happy under the sound of my voice that the God that we call upon is not a God that changes? He is steady, he is sturdy, he is steadfast, and he is faithful. 
But the same God that is faithful called us to be faithful. Faithful. So he is a God that does not change it. He is a God that stays the same. Numbers 23 verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. That word repent means turn the other direction. He doesn't do that to us. Has he said... uh, and will he not do, or has he spoken, and he will not make good? This means God does not change. He doesn't turn his, his mind around. He calls us to turn our mind around, to turn our thought life around, to turn our behavior around and repent. But he is not a God that needs to repent, nor a God that needs to change. He remains the same. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Are we happy about that today? James chapter 1 verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He doesn't turn away from you. He doesn't, he, he doesn't hide himself from you. He's a God that is the same today as he was yesterday, and he will be the same God tomorrow. He's a faithful God. And he declares, opening this portion of Scripture, that he will not change, and he has not changed. And then he goes on just a a little bit down in the next verse. He says, yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and not kept them. Now that word ordinance, it's an interesting word. The word ordinance is a principle of ordinary behavior. So God is saying, you've gone away from my principles of ordinary behavior. If we look, some of us would probably have gotten little fines or maybe uh, we broke a city ordinance. What that means is that is an ordinary or an expected behavior for that city. So an ordinance is a principle of ordinary behavior. And he goes on to say that we, we have not kept his ordinances. And following that, what does he talk about? Tithing. Because, you know, tithing and giving is an ordinary behavior to God. Tithing and giving is not extraordinary. It's not something out of uh, difference. It's not a principle that is, that, that is new. It's not some way of some preacher or evangelist just trying to get money. Now, I'm not saying that people have not abused things in the past. But what I am here to tell you today that this is an ordinary principle of God and the kingdom of God. This is not something new. This is an ordinance a principle of ordinary behavior. Now, God has such a great sense of humor because, of course, he writes this. If we look at Malachi, this is uh, the prophet. He declared these words approximately 400 years before Jesus was to come. And the quote-unquote New Testament, if you look at the timeline, would, would come to pass. Now, not all Scripture, as you read it, is, is, is in chronological order. But 
this book, this prophet, happens to be in the very order that it, that it was to take place. It was 400 years. It was the last uh, prophecy. It was the last writings uh, before Christ would come. And, of course, we would have our New Testament. So isn't God so uh, wonderfully uh, have a sense of humor that the last thing he's going to tell you before there is 400 years of silence is that you've been robbing me in your tithing and offerings. There's a couple things that I've learned in studying about tithing. And I've learned that tithing is a test. See, it's so funny that we're able, we split hairs over tithing. Like, is it really 10% or is that really an Old Testament thing or a New Testament thing, which we're going to go into. And we split hairs over the very God that gave his son for us and gave the best for us and gave everything for us. Yet we will be mankind, human beings. We will be the first ones to say, is it really that? Are we really supposed to do that? I mean, is it okay if I give 8%? Do I have to give 10%? And we will split hairs with a God that gave everything. But I want to tell you today that tithing is a test. See, that word tithe comes from the word tenth. Tenth is is derived from the word ten. Ten is often used in the Bible where there is a test. And every time you get paid is a test. There were ten plagues that tested Pharaoh's heart. There were ten times that God tested Israel in the wilderness, according to Numbers 14, chapter Chapter 14, verse 22, 23. I'm going to say some things, and I'm going to give you some scriptures. So you don't have to believe me. You can write them down because I know you're all taking notes frantically. If you want to take notes, you can, and you can back up everything I'm going to tell you right now. So we see that there were ten plagues, and there were ten commandments, and God tested Israel ten times in Numbers chapter 14. I'm going to ask you a question. According to Genesis chapter 31, verse 4 to 7, how many times do you think Jacob's wages were changed? Ten. According to Daniel chapter 1, how many times was Daniel tested? Ten. How many virgins were tested in Matthew chapter 25? Starting to see, starting to see a little bit of a pattern here. How many days of testing is spoke of in the book of Revelations? Ten, just in case you don't know that. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. The church of uh, 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 Samirma. You know that there are seven churches that that speak of in the the book of Revelation. This was a very uh, rich, wealthy, materialistic, but but was a church that was known to be the persecuted church. People would suffer and be persecuted. It speaks of being thrown into prison to be tested for their faithfulness for 10 days. Remember, prison was never to be rehabilitative back in this time. But it was, a, it was punitive, and it was usually when somebody was awaiting death. In verse 10, it says, Do not fear any of these things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. But be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. You see, the word ten in Scripture is, is often used for a test. And isn't it so significant 
that the Lord would ask us for 10%. But here's the greatest argument about tithing and offering. People will say, that is an Old Testament law thing. And here's what I have to say about that. Tithing is completely biblical. Completely, and I'm going to share with you, from the beginning to the end. Many say tithing is Old Testament. And say that it's, it's not a principle of the New Testament. But I'm going to show you some scripture to prove that wrong. But first, I'm going to ask my good friend, Pastor Levi. Do you have your wallet on you, Pastor Levi? What? No, because if you take the money out, it doesn't matter. All right. I'm going to take this wallet. Now, Pastor Levi, if I was to put this in my back pocket, I know you're loaded in this thing. I know. And this thing's feeling really heavy, right? If I was to take this thing in my, in my pocket or in my hand and run out the door and run away, what would that be considered? Robbery or stealing, right? All right. Now, is that wrong today to do? Typically, right? Where did that law or that principle come from? Ten Commandments, the Old Testament. So it's an Old Testament principle, right? But, but it's, it's still a principle for, for today, right? Right. Because a principle that is right at one time doesn't become wrong another time. If it was stealing then, it's stealing now. There's your wallet. <laughs> but let's look at the Old Testament argument because uh, this is awesome. Genesis chapter 14, right? Guys, you would, you would say that this is in the Old Testament, right? It's actually in the Torah. It's before the law. And if we look at chapter 14, verse 18 to 20, it says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. Now, Genesis is long before, actually 400 years before the law was even given. Genesis, we know, is the beginning. We know Abraham is the father of our faith. In, in Genesis chapter 14, there's a portion of Scripture where it says Melchizedek, which is kind of, a, uh, for, for lack of better terms, it was like an angel of the Lord. And, and isn't it interesting that it says the king of Salem? The word Salem means peace, Jerusalem. Who is the king of peace? Who's the king? Who's the king of Jerusalem? Jesus, right? He's the king of peace, the prince of peace. He brings out bread and wine, kind of like the last supper. Who is the the mo, the priest most high? Who's the most high? Jesus. According to scripture, Hebrews chapter 7 confirms that Melchizedek is the shadow of Christ. He's the king of Salem, and he's the God most high. And, and, and Abraham, hundreds of years before the Old Testament, hundreds of years before 
the, uh, the law. Hundreds of years before Moses went on a mountain and came down w- with the law. Hundreds of years before Leviticus and they wrote the, about the grain offerings and, and the sin offerings and all these things. Hundreds of years before then, Milk, uh, Melchizedek, who's a foreshadow of Jesus, was, was receiving tithes from Abraham, who's the father of faith, right? It's a principle, an ordinance of God. It's ordinary to God. Tithing, it says he gave them a tithe, which is 10%. Before the law, before the Old Testament, before Leviticus, before all of this, we go a little bit further. Well, that was 500 years before, uh, before the law was given. Sorry, I misquoted. I, said, I don't think I said four. Let's look at another portion of Scripture. Genesis chapter uh, 28. Jacob falls asleep using a stone as a pillow and has a dream. In verse 12, it said, Then he dreamed. Now, this is Jacob. He falls asleep on a stone. And behold, a ladder was set up on earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and, uh, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie will be given to you as descendants. So we look at this portion of Scripture. Here we have Genesis chapter 28, 14, cha- 14 um 14 chapters after Abraham gives a tithe to Melchizedek. Uh, Hebrews chapter 7 confirms, because of time, we didn't go to Hebrews chapter 7, that Melchizedek was, was, was a foreshadow of Christ, that he was in the angel of the Lord. And if we look at Genesis chapter 28, verse 16 through 20, uh, 22, it says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And, and this is the gate of heaven. So now Jacob wakes up from this, this dream of, of a ladder go, of angels going back and forth up from heaven. And he wakes up and says, this place is amazing. And this is the house of God. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel. But the name of the city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way, I am going to give bread. I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on. So God's going to provide for him on that. I come back to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up as a pillar shall be God's house. God's house. Now listen to that. And all of you give me, I will surely give a tenth back to you. This is 400 years before the New Testament law was written. So here we have Jacob saying, listen, if Lord, if you give me bread to eat, and if you give me clothes to wear, of everything you give me, I will give you a tenth. So when somebody says it's only an Old Testament thing, it's only a law thing, say no, this is an ordinary thing. This is an ordinary principle of God from the beginning of Scripture. We are Bible-believing people. 
people, aren't we? This is what we claim, right? Well, since the beginning of Scripture, a tithe, which is a 10%, was always given. And now remember, Jacob said, this is the house of God. And I, I will set this up and I will give a 10 a uh, tithe, 10% to the house of God out of everything that is given me. Now, where are we sitting right now? The house of God. This was 400 years before Moses and the law. Giving a tenth is an ordinary thing. It's not an extraordinary thing. It's an ordinance of God. So much so that before Right before Jesus was going to come on the scene, the prophets, the prophets spoke and said, you have, you have not followed my ordinances, and how you've not done it is you have not tithed and you have not given offerings. And I know this is hard to hear. That's why I'm glad to do it so the pastor of the house doesn't have to do it. While he's on vacation, I'm getting in trouble over here. But I have no, I have no benefit to this. In fact, I'll be honest with you, the reason why I'm doing this so eagerly and I'm preaching this straight and strong to you is for your benefit, not mine. <laughs> not mine. I'm a tither. We are a tither. So much so that, and this isn't to brag, this is just to, to bring some color and some, some, uh, some illustration to what I'm saying. When me and my wife first got married and we received you know, all the gifts from our friends and from our family. We believed in tithing so much that we said the first thing we're going to do is we're going to tithe off all the gifts that we got from everybody. And we gave that to the church. And we said the second thing we're going to do is we're going to find a missionary that's traveling and doing ministry that we are not able to do ourselves. And we found actually two missionaries that are in the Middle East. And we said we're going to support them. And we still support them to the day because this is not something that I'm just telling you about because uh, I want you to do it. It's something that I believe wholeheartedly. And it's it, it, it's been one of the greatest blessings in my life that I've ever seen before. I remember us sitting up in uh, one day as, a, as, a, as I just graduated Teen Challenge and I was invited to, to share my testimony on TV and I was so very excited and so blessed and, and, and the thing that came over me the most was the fear that I didn't have a nice new suit. And I remember standing up and I was in the office at Long Island Teen Challenge and I remember I was f feeling anxiety and feeling stressed and I, I leaned up on my desk and I said, Lord, I don't don't even have a nice a nice suit and I remember I was I was complaining a little bit to God like man I really need something nice I'm going to be doing this TV interview this and that and as I'm sitting there and I'm talking to God in my head you know I'm not the only one that does that right how about complaining does anyone ever complain to God because I mean I've gone to God like man man this is really you know what I've thought I was standing there and I'm complaining to God and I hear a, a knock on the door of the office building and the, uh, the, one of the ladies, that, uh, Miss Juanita, that works in the office, opens the door, and some gentleman comes in, standing there in front of her, and he says, hey, um, you know, I, I'm a banker, and, you know, I, I like to re renew my, my suits every year or two, and I have five suits here. 
uh, brand new. They're all they were Calvin Klein. They were uh, they were uh, Hugo Boss, and they were expensive, multi-thousand-dollar suits. And uh, and I don't know, but if you look at me, I'm not like a typical size. You know, like I'm like four feet wide and and three and a half feet tall. So 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 clothes don't generally. I, I have to get pants hemmed. I got to do something to all of my clothes because they don't make sizes that 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 fit me naturally. I know you guys are all have svelte bodies and physiques and stuff, but I was not blessed that way. I was blessed with an appetite for Oreos, so it kind of negates all of that. But in comes this lady. She grabs the suits from the man. She has no idea what I'm contemplating in my head, and she turns to me, and she says, I don't know if you can find something to do with this, and put in my hand were five custom suits High quality designer clothes suits that fit me perfectly were put in my hand. And I want to tell you this God is faithful to the tither. Another story, I had a, a, a minivan that I saved all of my money when I was uh, an intern at, at Long Island Teen Challenge. And I, I, at the time, I was not making a whole lot of money, and I saved all of my money. In fact, they used to they, they, they used to have nicknames for me, like, you know, because I saved every dime I could get. And they would make jokes, and you could text my wife, and they say that my, my, my bed was, was, was uneven because I would save every dollar I ever made, and I would stack everything up. And they, they used to call me stack bundles is what they called me, I'm saying, call me stack bundles. I saved every dime I can get. Any, if we said, listen, we're going fundraising and I can make $10 other than the dollar I was putting in the offering, I was taking the rest and I was stacking my money back. So I bought a, a minivan, I remember, uh, and that's a whole nother story how the money came in for that. But $1,100, I get a minivan and I'm driving and so I can see my son. And I remember I pull up one day and I, uh, I pull up my van and I, and and I, and and it and I get out of my van and I'm walking and I look at it and it looks like it's sitting kind of funny and I I go and I look at the back axle and I'm like oh my goodness I pull up and my axle had snapped and my car my back tires were like this luckily it didn't happen when I was on the highway but anyway that's one blessing but I'm getting into to the even a greater blessing so my 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 tires are like this and I don't know what to do and I start calling around and they're like yes it's eight hundred dollars to fix and it's this and that and I had I had no money to pay for this and and uh, I went into I went into my room and I was listening to a sermon uh, by uh, by the by the uh, a man named uh, we probably all know him in here T.D. Jakes and he was talking about he was talking about the valley uh, of dry bones and and speaking over your life and speaking the word of God and declaring it so I was about to go out for a walk or a run at the time now I walk I used to run but uh, but I went out there and 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 I looked at my car and I looked around and I said man is anybody watching me no one saw me. So I started speaking to my car. I said, in the name of Jesus, you're going to get fixed. I don't know how. I don't know where it's coming, but God is going to provide for me. I'm a tither. I believe in it. I stand on that word. And I walked away, and I went for my jog, and I came back, and I went into the office, and I remember there was three of my, uh, there, all three of them wound up becoming directors of ministries all, uh, in New York, but they were sitting in the office, and they were cutting up, hanging out, and, you know, we had our mailbox in the office. So I'm, so I'm going through my mail, and I see a letter, and I, and I pull out a letter, and it's from Ford, and I'm like, hmm, this is odd. And I open the, the, the letter, and it says, 
for this is there's a recall now at this time my minivan it was no new minivan it was like 14 years old so like a recall on my year of minivan I'm like okay so I call them up and they says yes on the day that my car broke and snapped 14 years later I opened up a piece of mail and the mail said we have a recall <laughs> on uh, an axle on your I was like a 1990 something uh, minivan and I said really so I called them they they came with a tow truck, they picked my car up, and within 24 hours, my car was completely fixed. I didn't spend a dime or nothing. That's a true story. God takes care of tithers. Another story, uh, as, as many of you may know, some of you don't know, I have, uh, I have a 12-year-old son uh, that, oh, he's gonna, about to be 13. He was born while I was a student in the program uh, to a, pr a previous relationship. And, and uh, while I was uh, an intern there, I got a phone call from his mother, and she's like, listen, um, we're, we have to move out of the place we're living uh, we can't uh, we can't stay here no more. The landlord wants to move in or sell the house or do something, and 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 we need fifteen hundred dollars to 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 pay for the security in another place. And now ultimately, it's not my responsibility, but my my son was living in her house, so he's my son. So I said, man, I got off the phone and I started praying. And I remember I had a student next to me, and I said, I need you to pray with me. He's like, what do you what do you mean? I was like, uh, I feel like it's my responsibility to come up with this $1,500, and I don't have anything. And, we, uh, uh, and, and my son needs, needs, uh, needs a place to live. And, uh, and we begin to pray, and we begin to uh, believe God. And I get a phone call later that day, um, and uh, uh, Dominic's mother, her name is Kelly, she called me. She says, listen, you're not going to believe what happened today. I, I says, well, what happened? She said, do you remember D, uh, your, your old crack dealer? For those of you who don't know, I went through the program in 2008. I was addicted to drugs for, for 18 years, and the Lord has, 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 has uh, restored me. And she said, your crack dealer came over. I said, really? Yeah. Yeah, I said, oh, well, what did he want? And she said, well, he told me that he got saved in, uh, at a church in Smithtown on Long Island. I said, well, praise God. And he also gave me $1,500 to pay for the rent. <laughs> but God is so faithful to the tither that he'll take what, I mean, I, I used to give him my paycheck. Give him my paycheck. He came back and the devil gave it back to me and paid my rent. True story. And I can go on, I can go on, go on and on how God has been faithful as personal testimonies to me in my life because we're tithers. And tithing is not, it's, it's, it's not just an Old, uh, Old Testament law thing. It's a Bible thing. It's an ordinance of God. It's an ordinary thing of God. So some people still, they get tangled up. Well, that's in the book of Genesis. You know, you know that's not there. Uh, I'm living in the New Testament. I am, you know, I know all of the words of Jesus by heart. Uh, in fact, when I speak, red letters come out of my, uh, my mouth. They're so holy. Would you believe it if Jesus said it in the New Testament that tithing is totally biblical? Then would you believe it? Then we would believe it, right? So this is your argument. If somebody says, no, that's an Old Testament principle, okay? Matthew chapter 23, 23. This is going to blow your mind. So he says, woe to you. Now, this is Jesus speaking. 
not only is it red in the Bible, but even on my iPad, if you look, when Jesus speaks, it's red. It's amazing, right? It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the Lord. Now he says, listen, you've been paying your tithes, but you've neglected the weightier matters. Justice, mercy, and faith. Now here it is. These you have done. Ought to have done. These you have ought to have done. Saying you should have done all those things without leaving the others undone. You ought to have paid your tithes. You ought to have given what you've given. But you should also do this. Out of the mouths of Jesus, he didn't say don't tithe. He didn't say tithing is, is, is religious. He didn't say it's not a biblical thing. He said you should be doing that and you should also be doing this. Amen? From the mouths of Jesus. So why is it important to give? It reveals a trust in God and him as being your source. Your job is not your source. I'd hate to remind you that. The government is not your source. I'd hate to remind you about that. Your sugar daddy, I hope none of you have a sugar daddy, but he's not your source. God is your source. He is your provider. He took the sand of the earth and he, he bent over and he breathed the breath into Adam. You couldn't even breathe without God giving you breath. You couldn't walk without him saying your legs are going to have strength today. In fact, you wouldn't have even woke up this morning if he didn't say, guess what? I'm giving you another day. Get on up. He is your source. You don't forget that. Why is it important to give? It reveals that things on earth are not your primary blessing. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth, moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. For where your treasure, your money, your finances, your talents, things that are important to you, where they are is all is, is where your heart will be also. Giving says that these things that are nice, I like things, I like having a car that works and runs, I like being able to have clothes that fit me after I bring them to the tailor and they, they shorten them up a little bit for me. I like those things. I like having a watch that I can look and see what time it is and see how many calories that I should have burnt today that I didn't. I like those things. It's okay. But I promise you, this comes second. The house of God comes first. And the wonderful thing about it in that chapter, just a little bit later in Matthew chapter 6, he says, but it's, if you seek the kingdom of God and all its righteousness, all of these things will be added unto you. That word all, it's, it's, it's really an amazing word. If you look it up in the original language, you want to know what it means? 
all. What were the things that they were talking about? What was Jesus talking about? He was talking about your needs, your food, your clothing, where you're going to live. And then he goes and says, says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. So what does that mean? The house of God comes first. The things of God comes first. The kingdom of God comes first. That's why uh, there's, there's some of the, and the members at this church are extremely, extremely faithful in many ways. Not just financially, but also extremely faithful. I, I mean, the members here, I mean, basically, if we have an outing or anything, any help, all of them are here. I mean, it's amazing. Why? Because they're seeking first the kingdom of God. And God promises if you do that, all of these other things will be added unto you. Why is it also important to give? We cannot have a positive effect on our community or, or have any kind of evangelism outreach if people don't give. There would be no Harvest Fest. There would be no Cafe Hope. In fact, we have people here right now that are sitting in this church that are members right now because of Cafe Hope. Somebody has to pay for all that stuff. If we do not tithe and we do not give to the house of the Lord, we will not be able to do that stuff. And God has called us. What about VBS? How many kids did we have here uh, during the summer? Over 100 kids and families. Many of them from in the community, unchurched, here. You want to know who pays for that? Tithers. People that give people that support the work of the ministry. It doesn't just happen. So tithing and giving is important. And here's the other, my last sub-point of that point. And this one is the difficult one because a pastor who's the pastor of a church will never stand up here and say this or probably won't stand up here and say this. So I'm going to say it for them because I know the heart of your pastor. We must pay pastors because they labor, and a laborer is worthy of his wage. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9 through 14 says, For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an axe while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen? Is it oxen that God is concerned about? Or does he say it all together for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written. That he who plows should plow in hope. And he who threshes in hope should be a partaker of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things to you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? If others are partakers of the right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure in all things, lest we hinder the gospel of God. Do you know that those who minister in the holy things eat of the things of the temple? And those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar. Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. That's from the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I didn't write it. I didn't add no commentary to it. That's the word of God. 
Other verses are about laborers being worthy of his wage, that labor in the word. Luke chapter 10, verse 7. Philippians chapter 4, verse 16 through 19. Acts chapter 6, verse 2. And we can go on and we can go on and go on. This is actually, if this was to be an exhaustive teaching, we can sit here all day or do a series on giving and tithing and it would not be enough. So, so, so we give... We give because it reveals uh, trust in God as him being our source. We, we, we give because it, it shows that the things of this earth aren't our primary treasure or our focus. We give to have a, a positive effect in our community and to be able to be a, 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 have evangelistic outreaches. And we also give because we have to pay the people that are laboring in the word because that's what the word declares that we do. That is the word of God. <clears throat> People have abused this. I'm not saying that there hasn't been televangelists that have gotten up there and said some crazy things, and you have to use discernment. But that doesn't take away. How many people know the devil always takes a truth and perverts it? That's what he does. He doesn't take a total lie. He takes something that is good. Even the apple, when sin came, oh, he just doesn't want you to have that apple because he's withholding something from you. God was never withholding something. He doesn't want you to eat the apple, but it's not because he's withholding. He perverts things, things that are good, and he perverts them and he twists them, and he does the same in this area. Number four it is beneficial to give. And here's where we might do some jumping and shouting. <clears throat> Repeating the words of Jesus, Paul says in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it is better to give than to receive. Jesus said it is better to give than to receive. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8 says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. What does that mean? If you give joyfully and you give a lot you reap joyfully and you reap a lot i mean that's what it says and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully this is the word folks so let e each one give as he purposes in his heart not grudgingly or out of necessity for god loves a cheerful giver and God is able to make all grace, he is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may you have an abundance for every good work. We go down a couple verses in the same chapter. May he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown. If you don't sow it, it ain't going to grow. And if it don't grow, you're not getting any fruit. He says, listen, he multiplies the seed to the sower, which means that if you're a giver and you give, God will give you more to give. So why not be a giver? You might not be in such a bad place if you learn not to hold on to what you got so tightly in the first place. He gives seed to the sower. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16. Check time. We're good. But do not forget to do good or to share for which is sacrifices 
God is well pleased. Do you want to please God today? He says if you give and you share, it pleases him. Proverbs chapter 19, 17 says, He who gives to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. I mean, I've lent some money before and never got anything back, that's for sure. But I know if it's the Lord that says I'm borrowing it, I know I'm getting it back. And this is one of my favorites as I close. The worship team can come up. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So if you're stingy, stinginess is measured back to you. If you're giving, God will make sure that he puts people in your life to give back to you. Illustration of three sons. Let me get Felipe. Jolly and Edgar, come up here. And I'm closing with this. Let's pretend these are these are mine and Ashley's three strapping bo- young boys. <laughs> these are our children. We love them deeply. And that's that's my bride right there. And she's your mother right now, just for the sake of this, okay? You don't have to call her mom or nothing like that. And please don't ask her for any money. But anyway, because she's just going to come to me. But So these are my three sons. And I say, sons, I want to make sure my bride has what she needs to do, what she needs to do. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to use you guys to take care of her. And I'm going to give you, Felipe, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to give you $10,000 a month. Yeah, that's pretty good, right? That's pretty good. <laughs> Jolly, I'm going to give you $10,000 a month. And Edgar, I'm going to give you $10,000 a month. And all I want you to do is to take 10% of that. So what would that be, Felipe? A, a thousand. A thousand. Jolly, a thousand. A thousand. And I want you to give it to your mother, my bride, so she is taken care of and she can do what she needs to do. And I call my bride, Ashley, and I say, honey, how are the boys doing? She says, well, they're doing okay. I mean, Felipe's doing good. I mean, Felipe, I mean, you know, he gave me $2,000 this month. Really? He gave you 2000 That's really great doing good. And then I have Jolly. How's Jolly? Jolly's doing, he's doing pretty good too. I mean, he's, he's, he gave me a thousand and he's been faithful and I can depend on him. So what about Edgar? I'm not hearing anything about Edgar. She says, I don't know, Paul. You might have to talk to Edgar. He's not showing up. The first month he gave me 500 and this month he hasn't given me anything. Who am I going to give more to to get it to my bride? The ones that give. Because my bride is important to me.
I love my bride. And guess what? You are God's bride. The church is God's bride. This is important to the Lord. So much so that when I was in prayer this morning, you know, going over this, it's not the typical thing I preach, but I really felt a strong glory or anointing resting upon me as I prepared and I said, Lord, help me. Help me to preach this. Because for some of you, you're feeling convicted. For some of you, you may not even agree with what I'm saying, whether I share it in Scripture or not. And some of you, you're already faithful tithers and givers, and you're doing what the Lord has called you to do. But I really felt a strong presence resting upon me. And I knew that when I was coming up here to speak, that I was speaking for the Lord, and I am speaking for the Lord. God is doing something special in this church. This year, during the middle of a pandemic, you were able to buy a new building and for the first time own something so that you'd have a consistent meeting place. And your pastor stepped out and he, he rented that facility and the church spent a lot of money in getting it ready and prepared in faith, believing that there would be a harvest of souls and that every need would be met in this house. And he did it in faith. I know the man. I know his heart. I know he's the real deal. And I feel like what the Lord has is, is instructed me to do today is to rally the troops and receive this great blessing that God, is, God has given us. Jesus said it is better to give than to receive because the greatest blessing of God is not the fact of getting. It's the fact of giving because it's in the sowing and the giving that God actually gives you and blesses you more in health and finances and relationships and opportunities and promotions. It says it all over his word. He goes in and, in our opening scriptures and he says, listen, I'll keep the devourer away from your house because you're a tither. I'll keep the enemy away from your house. I'll protect your children because you're in covenant with me. And you're a tither. I'll make sure that you have food on your plate, on your table, because you're a tither. This is the gospel truth. This is not something that I'm requesting for and from you. I'm telling you that this is the greatest blessing that you could ever have in your life. And if you have not dedicated or committed yourself to being a giver and a tither, that this will open up windows in your life of blessing that, that you have never seen before. God himself said, test me in these things. Try me in these things. We'll trust everything, and we'll say we trust God. But sometimes as 
The old saying goes, we have to put our money where our mouth is. We could all stand now. Gentlemen, you can go back. I believe the Lord wants to do something great through this church. I believe the Lord wants to do something great in Rockaway Beach that will extend not just in Rockaway, but throughout New York City. He's already starting, but he's taking us to the next level. And I want you to go to the Lord. I'm going to ask my brother to sing a chorus before we close in prayer. And I want you to go to the Lord about what I have spoken to you and what I have said.